we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Yep, Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, Envy had to go for a second, but uh, we have some very special guests here. We have Tanya Lewis-Lee and Omari Maynard from the Aftershock documentary. Good morning. How are y'all? Good morning. Good What's good. happening? All is well. Things are great. There's a lot of awesome conversation happening, especially, you know, specifically with this month being BIPOC Mental Health Month. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Aftershock in itself is just such a dope film. I'm so excited that it's actually out now and it's streaming on Hulu. And um, Let's you know, talk about it. It examines the uh, maternal mortality rate definitely, in America. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Especially for black women, too. And I think this is something we've discussed, how that rate is so much higher than white women. Yeah, uh, black women are dying at three to four times the rate of white women from childbirth complications in New York City. It's eight to 12 times the rate of white women. Uh, and it is it is a crisis. It's a national crisis that people haven't been talking about. Um, that's why I directed and produced the film so that we could have a conversation. I'm so grateful to Amari mm-hmm. for uh, allowing us to come into his life at a very uh, difficult time and open himself up to the camera so that everybody can understand uh, what it's like for a family to lose someone from childbirth complications. Um, 
and um, what it takes for someone to pick themselves up and not only heal for themselves, but also try to heal the community because that's really what Amari's doing. Man. We, we've spoken to doulas on this show before. We have our good friend Latham, and I know at one point you guys did get a midwife. Yeah, right? definitely. That w- so can you talk about what that process was like and what you learned when you did get a midwife? So for us, we have a very, our family dynamic is very unique in the fact that uh, Shawnee, Shamani's mother, Excuse me, Shimani's mom. She um, she's been in the in the midwife midwifery community for decades. She's been doing a lot of work, specifically around maternal health and the darker side of it. So we knew about the need for a midwife. We knew about the need to have a doula. Um, so for both of our children, we had a midwife and doula present, um, and we knew what the warning signs were and what to do. You know, so. That in itself was just amazing for us. But the the thing is, is that a lot of people don't know that they have birthing options mm-hmm. and they have people to support. Um, the greatest thing about it, though, is that, you know, once we're in the delivery room, once we're about to have, bring this new child into the world, we have people to advocate for you, you know, and, and, and those experiences, they kind of get very nuanced in the fact that, you know, doctors, nurses, they ask you a lot of questions and a lot of things that you're not really processing as a father, and as a mother, specifically as a mother, you know. So um, just having those advocates in the room, is, it's a beautiful thing. No, I love the fact that y'all did Aftershock from the perspective of, you know, <clears throat> two men because uh, that's one of the reasons I got a doula. You know, mm-hmm. um, we went and got Latham because I saw uh, Charles Johnson. Are you familiar with Charles Definitely. Johnson? Mm-hmm. I saw Charles Johnson on CNN back in the day, and I just could not imagine, you yeah. know, something like that happening. And my, my second daughter was born because of an emergency C-section. Like, she was born a month early, and, you know, got rushed to the hospital, did the C-section, and I, it, that could have went, you know, either way. And it's from that point on, I just had, like, such an anxiety surrounding childbirth that I never wanted to be in there alone without having a, a, a doula. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you bring that up, anxiety, because I think that, unfortunately, in this country, and, and given this crisis, that there is anxiety and fear, and I really think that we need to shift the culture because birthing should be an exciting, empowering time for a woman and for her family. And it should not be anxiety producing. I mean, we've been birthing since forever. That's why we're all here. Um, And I think part of the issue is that we have, you know, as technology has advanced, we have moved into more of, as Helena Grant says in the film, a technocratic patriarchal model of birthing, which can create some issues. So I, I liken it to farm to table, that, that now we've got to come back a little bit back and look at what the midwives did back in the past mm-hmm. and, 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 and use a little bit of what they've done and a little bit of the, of the medical technocratic model, but not, not the way it is because that's really what's killing us. We should not be afraid to be giving birth. It should be a powerful time for a woman. Um, Helena Grant also talks about how when a woman is birthing a child, she's not just birthing that child, she's birthing a mother. And so the process of labor, yes, it can hurt, it can be painful, but you know we shouldn't be afraid of that either. That, that is a process that we go through so that we are powerful mothers. When you go through the process of birthing, you know you can do anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I just I just hope that as we have conversations around the issues of birthing in the, in America, especially with Black women, that we're looking for a space to eradicate the fear and find the empowerment part of birthing. 
I agree with you 100%. It's just so difficult when you go in these hospitals that are majority white-driven. It's a lot of white nurses, a lot of white doctors. They're not looking at, you know. I remember one time for our third child, like, they didn't even have any epidurals, like, literally in the hospital. And they were just like, well, baby's right there. You can just push it out. And I'm like, you know, yeah. like, how do you supposed to react to something like well, that? Well, yeah, no, and I, I completely agree with you. And I, I think Amari raised the, the idea of choice and birthing, right? I think that... I think we can start thinking about the fact that we can we can be consumers here, you know, if we can, and find the right situation for you. If you want to birth in a hospital with a doctor, just with a doctor, you can do that. But if you want to bring a doula and a, 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 into that, that's great too. You could birth in a birthing center with a midwife and a doula, maybe without an epidural, with that in mind that you're going into that process. People can birth at home with a midwife and a doula and a doctor on call if that's what makes them feel comfortable. And I really think it's about finding the right environment and the right support around a woman. Um, it should be woman-centered. Uh, and she needs to figure out what she needs around her. Because I agree, like, you don't want to be in a hospital necessarily where there's a, a bunch of white people looking at you like you're crazy, mm -hmm. don't really believe you when you say you're having pain, mm -hmm. uh, you're asking for things and they're, you know, discounting you. That That is not the type of environment anyone wants to be giving birth in. And sometimes it feels like, and you point this out too, it's like the midwife or the doula against the doctor. And it's not like they're working together right. in mm -hmm. tandem. Right. You know, And they should be. I mm -hmm. mean, every other industrialized nation has midwives integrated into women's health care so that women interface with the, with the midwife first if there is a problem because midwives, separate from doulas, midwives are clinicians that can do just about anything a doctor can except for cut you. The OB-GYNs are surgeons. They, they are surgeons. We need them. They're important. But they're ready to make, do surgery. Midwives are there to hang out and take the time and allow your body to do what it's supposed to do. And if they're working together, I think that's the best, the best situation. So that if a complication occurs, you've got the doctor right there mm -hmm. who is ready to come in. But if we're not working together and in tandem, then it becomes a fight between the power. Who is more powerful, the doctor or the midwife? Uh, but we need to figure out how to work together. And even when it comes to C-sections, uh, you've spoken about how that's been on the rise. I think like 70% more C-sections are happening. Why are hospitals so quick to be like, mm. you got to get a C-section? More money. Yeah, yeah, yeah well. that's what it is, essentially. Um, and they, the, so we talk about in the film the rates of C-sections, about 60%. 60% um, of C-sections are not needed. You know, so, but like Charlemagne just said, um, it's about $15,000 you get for a vaginal birth. And it takes about 8 to 12 hours, right, to go through that whole process. But a C-section, you make double the amount of money. It takes about 45 minutes, you know, and... It's scheduled, so a doctor, if you want to go catch a golf exactly. game or dinner, you can go do that. Exactly, and that's what I was just about to say. In, in the film, it's so ill because, like, there's a, there's a part of it where, you know, like the, um, all the nurses and doctors are, you know, in the... Um, in the you know the the forum and they're talking about the scheduled c-sections but it's not they're not talking about they're not talking to people by about by their name it's all numbered xy2578 scheduled c-section for this time um xy375 she's you know got already had a c-section so she needs another like so it's it's really it's a really monetized model where 
it's it's almost similar to the prison system mm-hmm. where everybody kind of has this serial number, you know, and and that's how people are looked at, not necessarily as people, but as commodities. I thank God for information, and I thank God for you know Latham because like I I can still hear the fear in my wife's voice when she had to think about having a C-section for the second time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, after she had the one for our second child, they told her when she got pregnant again, she was going to have to have the another V-back. C-section. Right. And it yeah. was already mm-hmm. scheduled and everything. And just a random conversation with, with Latham, and I just asked her, and she was like, no, she doesn't have to have a C-section. And so that's when she first got with Latham, and Latham walked her through the process, and she ended up having the um, vagin- vaginal she birth. Oh, you know? that's amazing. Yeah, for our third and fourth child. That so is awesome. really amazing yeah. she was able to do that. Yep. And like you say, she had the support of someone who was like, hold mm-hmm. on a second, we can do this. Yep. Because without that support, she's being pushed into having that, that, that C-section, which happens to too many women. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that you guys discuss is what happens after a woman gives birth, right? What's going on with going back to the doctor, getting checked up on, and Omari, I know for you, you feel that that death could have been prevented. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, just throughout the entire process, she's Shimani was healthy, she was strong. We tried to have a V-back as well, the vaginal birth um, after C-section. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen, but when we left the hospital, I left with my daughter, I mean, excuse me, my, my son and my partner, you know, so I thought everything was, was fine. And the subsequent days, you know, she was complaining about chest pain. She was complaining about having um, shortness of breath. She was um, complaining about not being able to walk, you know, and do these certain things. And like I said, you know, our family has been in this maternal space for a while. So her mom was like, this sounds like a pulmonary embolism, you know. We went to the doctor three times within that two-week period to go, you know, to go <laughs> let them know, like, this is the problem. These are the issues. This is how she's feeling. And every time we went, because of the fact that Shimani's scheduled visit for her checkup was six weeks out, they didn't, they didn't look at her. Wow. They looked at this, the, this, the C-section that she had for Eclipse. They talked about we went to have a visit for um, Kari and what his needs are. But every time we went out there, we were advocating and advocating and advocating. And it was still this thing where it's because of the fact that it's not her schedule time. She they can't acted be like seen. it was normal. Exactly. It's horrible because mm-hmm. many of these deaths happen postpartum. Many of these deaths. And the fact that, you know, she had an appointment six weeks out and, and no. And they're like, oh, no, we got to wait for that six weeks is insane. It's mm-hmm. insane. You know, women should be checked on days after a week after uh, they should be seen especially after having major surgery like a c-section um, and again that's one of those things midwives do you know they will come and check you several you know right after having birth six weeks out is way too long um, and I think we need a cultural shift in that women should be seen mm-hmm. much sooner before mm-hmm. that now, Tanya, for you, this is, I know you've produced before, but this is a directorial debut for you. So what was your passion behind this? And how was it for you filming? Because I know emotionally you get attached and I know there were difficult times, you know, because clearly this is not something that's easy. 
Yeah, you know, I had been uh, working, um, raising awareness about the high rates of infant mortality in the United States. I started that back in 2007, um, traveled the country talking about infants. Uh, you know, we have the same disparity as in maternal health, black babies die at three to four times the rate of white babies in this country before their first birthday. Uh, I found myself immersed in a world of women's health. Um, really, I'm just an advocate because I know how hard it is for us as women, as people in general, to access our best healthy lives here in this country. And I believe that health is everything. It's mm -hmm. the foundation and basis of everything that we do. Um, and while I was talking, I would go and talk to groups of women and you know, inevitably someone would tell me about someone who passed away from childbirth complications. And actually, the first one that I knew about was a woman named Tatiana Odin French because her partner was someone that I had, um, or her husband was someone that I had gone to school with, and he called me and told me about her passing. So had been hearing about all of these um, deaths and wanted to tell a story about it. I wanted to raise awareness about it so that we can do something. I think if we don't have the conversation about what's happening, we can't fix it. And I, and I really believe that we can make for better birth outcomes. I really believe that. So um, that's why I wanted to make the film. And when um, Shawnee uh, and Omari uh, put out on social media an invitation for a celebration of Shamani's life, along with a conversation with the community about um, what was happening with black maternal health, we reached out to film and, and they agreed. And that really began the film that you see as Aftershock. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it, it was, it, it is hard. Um, it is hard uh, subject matter. And you know, I didn't know Amari, Shawnee and Bruce. And you know, you go in obviously with deep humility, deep empathy and, um, but they really wanted to have this conversation. Right. Uh, and so it became very collaborative. Uh, and it was really about where, where they led, we followed. Uh, if you're good with it, I'm good with it. If there's something you don't want to do, I'm not doing it. I'm, you know, uh, and, um, you know, it's just, it's been a really wonderful process. It's been amazing getting to know Shamani and Amber through Amari, Shawnee and Bruce. They were beautiful women. It's clear. They were they were beautiful, loving, um, uh, active uh, women. And I just really wanted people to get to know them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I want people to feel empowered. So, um, you know, you, you do the best you can to, to try to make some change in this this crazy world because I really believe we can change these outcomes. How was the process for you, Amari? Making the film? Mm -hmm. um, it was it was enlightening. Um, so we did Aftershock, our Aftershock event on December 19th for Shamani's birthday. So this is two months after she passed. So like during that, that two month time frame was the darkest time of my life, honestly. Mm. Um, it was filled with uh, my deepest grief, sadness, just insecurities, like all these things started coming up. And um, me being able to process it was, it was difficult. But what I started to do was painting. I started to paint. And I, honestly, I spent two months in my basement painting by myself trying to figure out this new life that I was going to have to um, lead. So when 
Tanya and Paula came and introduced this film to us, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not doing this. This is, this is, I'm not at my Triggering best. Again. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going, I'm going through things, you know, going through things I've never been through before. But after having a conversation with Shawnee and, you know, her just kind of identifying what the opportunity was, what the possibilities could be. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that, you know, regardless of where the film went, at least we would have something documented about our family so that our kids could watch. You know, so um, at that point, I was all I was on board. I was ready. But, um, you know, it's a documentary. So you just you don't know, you know, so it's like I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it really to Paul and, and this is really the greatness of Paula and, and Tanya and how they allowed us to be ourselves. They allowed us to process in whatever way that we wanted to process. Mm-hmm. And like she said, like Tanya said, they gave us space when we needed it. And at the same time, you know, they knew that we were going to do the work because we are advocates and activists, you know, at heart. So the work was going to come. But it was really just about how and when. Emotionally and uh, mentally, you know, how, how else did you process the trauma of this event other than the pain? Yeah, so thankfully I've got a, a dope community. Um, so as soon as she passed, like I had grief counselors. Beautiful. When Shamani was, when you know, she when she was here, we'd go to couples therapy, you know, so. Oh, so you was already... On yeah, it. I was. I was okay. on it. I was on it. Uh, and, I mean, not by choice, to be honest. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, it was something that Shimani was pushing. But you know, I went once and went twice, and then I obviously, I, after a while, I saw the value in it because it just made the relationship great. But after she passed, I stopped. I kept going to the same therapist. Um, and then, like I said, I had family friends coming in, you know, to help out around the house and provide pampers, diapers, you know, all the things that that you would need um, on a on a day to day basis. But in order for me to process my grief, painting was one, but it turned into being this kind of uh, mind, body, spirit training where I was running every day. I was working out. I was painting. I was talking to my therapist. I was talking to family and friends, just different ways to deal with the pain, deal with the grief and, and process it in a way that was positive. And like, that's kind of what I really try to push now, especially to men going through anything because we all go through our own pain we all go through our own traumas right but it's so important that we speak about it that we communicate it and that we you know we do the things right because it's always and this is a a ongoing never-ending process i'm gonna be going through this for the rest of my life you know so it, it is really making sure that i'm being very intentional about how i want to move my energy and use my energy and these for me Running, painting, working out, talking, those are the things that works for me. You know, it's different for everybody, but like again, that's what I would push for people. Yeah, when I hear when I hear brothers like you tell your story, brothers like, you know, Charles Johnson tell their story, I'm just like, y'all way stronger than me. Yeah. Cause there's no way. I don't even know if I could even have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't even know when it would hit me that this actually happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you see a child every day. Yeah. So yeah. every day you're thinking about your queen I, I I would push back a little and say that it's I, I honestly don't feel that way I feel like you whatever you're given is what you're given right yeah and you know God doesn't make mistakes right we all like and then like I said earlier we all have our own griefs right minds might be a little bit deeper than than others but 
when it all comes down to it, if you're going to be there for your child, yeah. you're going to be there for yourself, you're going to be there for your family, you got to do the work, you That's know? Right. And it's really that simple. So once you kind of break it down in that in that way, it's it's honestly like, you know, all right, what's next? What I got to do? You know, it's, it's, you know, get down and lay down. You, and, you know, you got to you gotta make things happen, especially, you know, just being in New York and especially trying to raise your child. Like, I've got... I've got three children, right. you know, and they got to eat. They got to learn. They got to do all the things. They I have to put them in the best position possible. So, um, again, and this is, again, I always big up my community because I this isn't something that I could have done by myself, right? You definitely need people in conjunction and, and partnerships and, and to take the kids off your hands on the days where you just like, yeah, I just don't got it today, you know? But um, and, and that's why I really try to do my best to, make sure that I speak to fathers who are going through the things that I've gone through because they don't, a lot of them just don't have that same support system. Right. And they just need to know that, you know, even if I'm not necessarily physically there, they can call somebody at, at the very least and say, yo, this is what I'm going through. I need to emote, you know, so um, that's, why know, that's I, what we're doing. That's why I respect, it com- I respect it coming from you because I know you've allowed yourself to feel. Yeah, yeah. You're not numbing, you know, yeah, the pain. Yeah, not at all, not at all. What about I, you and Bruce also? What type of relationship? Yeah, so Bruce is my guy, man. I love Bruce. I love Bruce, man. Uh, Bruce, he um, he pushes me in ways that nobody else can because of the fact that we've been through the same thing um, and, have, and have shared the same experiences and are going through this path together. You know, so, um, you know, me and him, me and him, we speak all the time, you know, and I know that you know, when he's doing his thing in his spaces, he's advocating for me and I'm doing the same exact thing, you know, because of the fact that, you know, he's just, he's he's one of those men who, like Charlemagne said, is allowing themselves to feel, right? Um, I always say that in your deepest grief, you gain your greatest growth, you know? Mm. So, and, and with Bruce, like, I don't know if I could have went through what Bruce went through, you know, with, with Amber and, and how the hospitals treated her. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, I, so I watch him and, and, and see what he's doing and see how his Save a Rose Foundation is, is just doing awesome things and how he's really servicing the community in real ways, you know. And again, you know, when you have brothers like that who have that power to, you know, just shift and do the work, you know, you got you got to big up that, man, and, and you got to humble yourself and, and just... Let them know that they are loved, you know? That's, that's what can you do to advocate for yourself, right? What would you mm-hmm. recommend to people if a woman, a family, are dealing with a complicated childbirth, they know something's wrong, the hospital is not being responsive, the doctors aren't doing what they're supposed to do, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you have options. Uh, Felice, so in the film, there was a sister, her name is Felicia. Mm-hmm. She um, went and had a, an, a birth at a birthing center. But she was already, I think, 34 yeah, weeks like, in. Th- yeah, 35 weeks. She, she yeah. was at the end, you know, and she was going to the doctors, you know, to hospitals during this 35-week time period. But she decided to shift because she felt like the need wasn't there. So it's never too late. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never too late. I think that, you know, to your, to your question, I think that it's so important that you understand and learn what's around you, right? So there are places that rate hospitals based off of the amount of C-sections that they, they, they provide to their patrons. Oh, and I, as you say that, I just shout out to Kimberly Seals Aller. She's got the Earth app that yes, is actually rating. Yeah, so, yeah. Definitely. Sorry, Amari. Kimberly is app. super dope. Yeah. Earth app, definitely. Um, and for those who don't know what Earth app is, it's basically like a Yelp type of 
Um, at, oh, I met her. I met her at the Doula Expo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's doing great work, and she's so it's that platform that allows, you know, people to rate the hospitals, you know, mm-hmm. rate the doctors, rate the nurses, and then those are that's what you should be doing. Accountability. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, is there anything you can do right after everything happened that doctors? didn't do what they could. This was preventable, mm-hmm. right? So now what happens after that? Is this something that is malpractice? Like, what can somebody do afterward? Um, well, can I just say yeah, what, what, what I think Omari and Bruce are doing is amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. what I've learned is from watching them is that grief is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's love for the people that have, have passed. It's love for the people who are still here. It's love for community. And what they are doing is activating a community. They've become activated. Um, as Omari says, he is painting, he's painting portraits, paying it forward, reaching out to other men, being supportive. Um, Bruce uh, is trying to bring a birthing center to the Bronx. Uh, he's already has the womb bus that is going around the Bronx. Uh, and so while unfortunately there isn't a lot that one can do for those that are gone. There are things that people can do for those of us who are here. And, um, you know, I see that every day in what Sable Rose and Aria mm-hmm. is, is doing. Um, but, and I think, I think all of us have a role to play, quite frankly. I mean, we should be paying attention to what Bruce is doing. We should be supporting that. We need more birthing centers mm-hmm. in New York mm-hmm. City. Uh, we should be paying attention to what's going on in the midwifery profession. We need more midwives. We need more black midwives. We need more black ob We We do. We need more black doctors. Um, and we need to be having the conversation so that we can all figure out how do we make it better for all of us because birthing is <laughs> critically important. Mothers are critically important. We are uh, maternal health and infant health is the marker of a health of a nation. And if black women are not doing well, that means we are not doing well as a nation. So we have to figure out how to how to fix it. Absolutely. So so where did they catch Aftershock at? Aftershock is streaming right now on Hulu. Uh, and, and so we hope a lot of people go out and check it out. And what, what do you all hope to what do you all hope this project does? You know, I hope that the film Aftershock, as I said, I hope it's a conversation starter. I mm-hmm. hope people watch it and talk about it. I hope people debate it. You know, if, if they look at, well, Felicia had an amazing birth in a birthing center, you know, talk about how you feel about the idea of birthing in a birthing center versus a hospital. Talk about what does it mean to have a midwife. Learn more. We do, we, we cover the history of midwifery in this country. I mean, you know, uh, um, the obstetric uh, profession really is uh, based on taking the economy of midwifery out of the hands of black women, put it in the hands of white doctors and hospitals, putting us all into their hands into hospitals and demonizing black midwives. We need to learn about our history so that we understand how we got here. Um, Does so- insurance cover midwives? Insurance does not cover midwives. So we need laws. We need laws. And the good news is that there are laws Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, There's the omnibus bills that are in Congress right now working their way through. As I said, many of these deaths are postpartum. So for women who are on Medicaid, we need Medicaid to extend for at least a year postpartum. Often women who are on Medicaid, they get kicked off uh, very soon after delivery. We need to keep them on. Midwives and doulas need to get paid. They need mm-hmm. to uh, be covered as well. Um, sure. So all of that. We need to figure out what's going on and vote because voting 
matters, who's in office. We look at right now what's happening with the reversal of Roe v. Wade, which is going to impact black women more than it does anybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly when it comes to maternal deaths, there is a study that just said maternal death for black women may go up 33 percent because of this Dobbs decision. Um, And everybody who voted for Donald Trump twice, they're the ones that got us here. So um, we do have to vote and we do have to be active in our political system, too. Speaking of that, can you touch on Leanne's law a little bit? Because didn't um, the Senate pass uh, legislation to improve maternal and reproductive health in New York State last year? I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know it, Mario? No, I'm not familiar either. Okay. But I do like the fact that the documentary does offer some optimism and some solutions absolutely to move forward and i do feel like and omari thank you so much for actually participating and agreeing to do the documentary and coming up here to spread the knowledge you know and the word about it and being so strong for your family yeah no no problem thank you for having us you know this is a, this is a moment it's definitely a moment and i i really honestly feel like the film came out at a perfect time where people are listening where people are mm-hmm. trying to improve where people do understand that that we need to have, you know, not just a physical connection with people, but also create spiritual connections with them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when I say people, I'm talking about, you know, here on our earth plane, but also our ancestors, you know, and, um, you know, so that's what we're here for. And that's what we're doing. And it's just, again, thank you. You know, um, our foundation, the ARIA Foundation, you know, the well, ARIA in itself stands for the advancement of reproductive innovation through artistry and healing. You know, so what we're doing is we're really trying to intentionally create spaces and places and talk about and have these conversations where they weren't being had before, right? When I go to rallies and and do events, you know, there are a lot of doulas, there are a lot of midwives, there are a lot of nurses, and that's awesome, right? But it's so important that we really intentionally try to connect with people who don't know, who don't have the information, who, who are, who are oblivious or who may not even really want to birth, but it's just so important that they know because there are other ways that you can advocate. There's other ways that you can help and, and be a part of this. That's right. Make sure y'all go watch the Aftershock documentary on Hulu. Uh, Amari Maynard, Tanya Lewis-Lee, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Appreciate it. It's The Breakfast Club. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.